when you buy the material off the celebrant's family or whatever, like you need to give it back to them after the event. It's yours to keep. It's like buying school uniform. You buy a school uniform at school. After the school term, no one, not even the principal, not the owner of the school ever ask you, even though we know it's not going to fit your children again the next year. Nobody asked you to bring it back to school because you paid for it and they asked you to buy it, right? Hey, hey, people, it's your girl Esther Ray, and this is not for my village people. I think perspective is actually a gift. It's a gift to have a different perspective to the other person you are having conversations with, and it just makes it all interesting, isn't it? So on this platform, we're going to share personal stories. Be open-minded, listen in, pick what you can pick from it. Do you understand? Hi, hi, hi again. See, we made it to episode 31. Yeah. So we're still on this topic of African Nigerian weddings. And yes, I'm using my story as a lesson learned for a bride to be, about to be bride. Or you're looking to decide if you should have an intimate westernized wedding ceremony or an African one. Now, I think I mentioned during the last episode about the fact that the African side of things, the vow renewal we had, it was for us. Don't let me just put everything on the parents. It was for us, but it was most importantly for family and friends. Because I remember when I came back then, did I even share it immediately that I'd gotten married? Because it's a taboo in the African, at least at the time. I think it still is kind of because people will frown upon you. You got friends, but then you just sneak somewhere you elope, like the Western people call it. <laughs> you elope. And you go and put your life in the hands of this man or this woman with no one seeing it. And that would be the very first reason they would tell you if anything were to happen. If anything was to happen, they would say, yeah, because she did it secretly. And it did not mean anything anyways, by the way. So there is a lot that comes with if an African person tells you that he looked. To be fair, I carried it for years. It wasn't traumatic experience, but like a kind of a little silent burden. Because we've done this. We know we've done this. But yeah. Nobody believes you've done it because nobody was there. <laughs> Your friends were not there. And stylishly, psychologically, I carried that around as well because nobody was there. You're getting married as an African girl, as an African lady, as an African. Your people must be there. If they're not there, it doesn't mean anything. So it takes me to the question of getting married in the African community. Or is it just me thinking it's an African thing? Or getting married in an African community is not really for you. So you definitely need to carve out the time for yourself and your partner to make sure this is us. Forget all the loud, forget the market noise, forget the people around you, forget the mother, the father, the grandparents, forget the forefathers coming into your celebration with your walking stick. Forget all of that, but make sure you stand before one another and do the exchange of the vows. Do the conversation. It is exchange of the vows. If you're promising each other, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is how I want it to be. Because remember, it's just the both of you. It is just the both of you. It's crazy. It is just the both of you. Because I remember we did a moon time as well, the honeymoon time. We went away. And we went away not because we wanted to hashtag it the honeymoon, but we needed that break. If he did not need it, I needed it. I needed it. I needed it. It's been 10 months of this, putting all of this together. Everything for, I missed my children because it was, if I'm not working, doing this, I was talking about the wedding. I was having conversations about the wedding. Even my friends were tired of it. And I was going through all of those things. I was going through work as well. Remember, I recorded all this very interesting experiences with the Gen Z's at work, isn't it? So it was a lot for me. 
and I needed the time away. And I remember when we're talking on holiday and everything, it was just us. It was not everybody. It was not the whole world. So yes, yeah. So today we're still talking about this African, mainly Nigerian weddings. And yeah, if it's not just the Nigerian one, that means you've got to do it for the family or for the people, right? It's the whole celebration part. You need those that matter to you, those that you love. But it's just that Africans, we don't really enjoy the luxury of that. And trust me, I know this because I've had conversations. That's all I've talked about in the past 10 months. And I've had the opportunity to have conversations with those that successfully in courts. Oh, Lord. Now, you all know there are different, maybe another topic for another day, but there are different definitions of success. And success means different things to different people. But in quotes, people will say they successfully did a invite-only, restricted, intimate celebration. They are not fully Africans if that happened. And they successfully did it. Because the ones that I had conversations with that sort of did it, and people think they did it successfully, those people are still going through and resolving grudges with those forefathers, with those third fathers, those second fathers in their family, their aunties, their uncles, their brothers, they're still going through it. A girlfriend mentioned to me that she still got cousins and aunties that are still having issues with her because they never got invited to a celebration in the family. Just imagine. I feel People don't even think about the fact that if I'm inviting you, you're not going to be okay. You're going to look at me a type of way if I tell you bring a plate with you when you come in or bring your own chairs. I remember telling myself, today I want to talk about Ashwabi, but let's do this ranting first before we go into the Ashwabi saga. I remember making a joke between all my bridesmaids, like all my bridesmaids and Ashwabi ladies. I had about 20 plus of them, including the groom side as well. 99.1% of them. <laughs> did not bother RSVPing because obviously they're already in the wedding. It does make sense. But to the wedding, to the people doing it, to the wedding planner, to the chairs, the decorators are putting in place, to the plates, to the number of foods added, to drinks arranged for, to whatever has been put in place, sisters, misters, please, just for the craziness of the other part of it, kindly RSVP when you sent the link to RSVP irrespective of you being included or not, because it's very unfair having people go through the list of hundreds and 200 and 300 people to find if your special, beautiful names have been added to it. It is a lot of work, which is why the link was created for you to RSVP in the first instance. I remember going to my girls group and saying, you know what, y'all will have to bring your chairs at this point, because I can't seem to find not one single name of you guys on that list. And they were like, oh, but I told you I'm coming. And I'm thinking, oh, thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. Very sweet and kind of. I probably sound like a crazy human being at this point. But yeah, it's just it because we're looking at the event planners coming to me all the time and saying, oh, yeah, we've got 210 people have registered so far. 210 in the African word means you're adding 40 people to it. That's 250 we are arranging for. And when we got to there's 270 people coming to this very intimate. By the way, I don't know 270 people. I don't think I know 270 people. No, I do not. I don't want to believe I know 270 people because if I do know 270 people, because I should be able to put a GoFundMe together and have each and every one of them maybe contribute like 100 pounds. It shouldn't be too much. 100 pounds. So multiply 100 times 270. Is that not 270,000? Is it 270,000? Do I need to use my calculator to do that? No, maybe it's 2,700, right? Is it? 
oh, now I don't know maths. And trust me, I actually went to school. I'm educated. I'm probably not good with maths, but I'm calculating it now. It's 270. If I ask 270 people to give me 100 pounds each, or it's just 27,000. But even still with 27,000, that's a lot of money, isn't it? And I think I can find something very tangible to do with that money. Trust me, I do know a lot of things I can do with that money. I should be able to have that. But I know if I know 270 people, if I know with the kind of people I feel like I know, I should be able to ask them more than 100 pounds. I should be able to say, give me a thousand pounds each multiplied by 270 people. That's 270,000. Oh my goodness. Imagine having that kind of money in my current account sitting somewhere because they're looking to sell it. Okay, I sound like a crazy human being now, but I think you get the gist, right? So at some point I got my event planner telling me, okay, so we're expecting 270 people on that day. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay, 270 people. And this is excluding the sudden 10 aunties and uncles that moved to London a million years ago that I did not know about. I'd never heard their voice before. I don't know their names, but they're definitely related to me that my dad wanted to add to the list. This is excluding the almighty bridesmaids and Ashra B ladies that decided, and Ashra B men as well. Let me not pull my ladies on the crest right now, but let's include the men, the Ashra B men and the groomsmen that never made it to the list. This is excluding them. So if we're talking about 20, 20 plus people, that's another 40 plates. That's another 40 extra seats, right? Imagine having this conversation, maybe like three, four weeks before the actual event. And now I was having palpitations and I was about to look for something and just shake a living day out of my event planner. Like, what are you talking about? And at this point, by the way, guys, the RSVP link was still available for people to RSVP in because we couldn't figure it out on time, how to turn it off. So people would stop RSVPing. So this was my goal, my number one most important goal at that particular point. I was Waking up at 4 a.m., sending message to please find a way to turn that thing off. Please turn it off. Please turn it off. Because yes, you don't do that. You can't do that because you can't have bouncers be at your wedding. Having people show the online confirmation that they've RSVP'd, asking them they've not RSVP and their name never made it to the board. The board is another thing entirely. It's a fancy thing that just appears at African weddings. It's never to be obeyed. It's just something fancy. It's nice to look at because obviously we're trying to be westernized people, right? Like regular, normal people. That's what we're trying to be. It never works. We knew it wasn't going to work from day one, but we still put it together anyways because it's fancy and it's beautiful. Yes, I know. And you can't do that. You can't have bouncers be at the door and bouncing people because they don't have, God forbid, they bounce your mom's auntie, your mom's sister, your mom's brother or your uncles. That's going to be an all family situation. And for, for us that we have half of the family in Africa and half of them in, in outside Africa, you're going to be sat on Zoom calls for the rest of your life, apologizing for the rest of your life. Because, yeah, you know what it is. You're going to single-handedly bring in village people into your own life and your own situation. So you don't want to do that. So whoever comes dressed up and looking nice, even if they're looking nice and they were not supposed to be at your wedding, please have people welcome them nicely and find a plate of food for them before it's too late. Yeah. So anyways, the joys of African weddings. So today I wanted to talk about Ashwabi. <laughs> On my list of lessons learned about the Ashwabi, I wrote that you buy a tie and clothes and believe the money is used for the wedding. Are you for real? So I had some stories that I've never heard before because I've never done this before. And by the way, in my 30 plus years of existence, 
I have only been to five weddings. My wedding is the fifth one that I've been to all my life because I don't just believe it's something you just show up to. That's just me. If I don't know you, you'd not invite me. I would not be there. And yeah, remember I said there's a part of me that's introverted anyways, and I'm just sitting down there and I don't know what's going on and everything like that. So yes, it's a whole new situation for me. And those, I've gone to three of those weddings where I wasn't really part of it. I wasn't really, really involved with it. Oh, I was involved with it, but I was just very distant from it as well. Maybe my money was involved in it, but my time or whatever, I was just showing up. So I didn't really understand the nitty gritty that goes into it. It's a lot, sisters, mister. It's a lot. I can't even go through it in three episodes. I plan to do this three seasons. Is it three episodes to cover this wedding situation? But the Ashoebi stuff. So during this whole planning, Ashoebi, what is Ashoebi? For those of you that don't know what Ashoebi is, the Wikipedia translation of that or definition of it says, Ashoebi, which is from the Yoruba part of Nigeria, West Africa, sometimes spelled Ashoebi, and is also used in Sierra Leone, by the way, and the Gambian, is a uniform dress of dressing code or style that is traditionally worn by the Yoruba people and are culturized by some other African cultures as an indicator of cooperation, camaraderie, and solidarity during ceremonies, events, and festive periods. The purpose of wearing the dress can be to serve as self-identification with age mates relatives or friends during social occasions or funerals. So social occasions, most especially weddings. So a set of people, a group of people, we wear a certain outfit just to like the camaraderie or part of it. Is that a word? I think I just read it now. I've just funkified it myself now. Just to show camaraderie and solidarity to whoever you're on their side. So there's usually like a grim side of things. So you know, oh, this set of people are from the groom's side and this ones are from the bridal family and friends. But over the years, it's changed to just the couple. You know the couple, that's the most important thing. And then you can wear the same thing. So the parents are meant to wear something different to help them stand out from the crowd. Oh, that's the bride and groom family. Back in the day, it used to be different outfit for the bride and groom parents as well. But now it's the same outfit. Like they got look the same thing because you want to show that, oh, we are okay with you taking our daughter as your daughter and we're okay with you taking your son as our son and vice versa you know that all that jargons and shenanigans anyways so that's what the ashwabi is about but then it's not something you can just go to the market and pick up the same style it's not like you can go to asos and just oh yeah that's the dress they're wearing for esther's wedding or that's the dress they're wearing for Saeed's wedding or something like that they've got to make sure they provide it the bride and groom family or the bride family, or the groom family, usually for the bride, because the wedding is for the bride, apparently. It's not for the groom. The groom is just meant to show up. I said that last week during the last episode. The groom is just supposed to show up and enjoy all those goodies that had been put together for him fancily, right? But it's for the bride. So the bride and the bride family sort of set up everything and put everything in place to make it happen. And it was the same thing. My mom was in charge of the Sashray B stuff. She got them, had them shipped down to me. By the way, my mom lives in the States. But she deals with this anyways, even for other people's wedding in the States. And so she obviously sussed it out for our daughter's wedding. And then there is the headgear, the fancy headgear. You know, if you've not seen pictures, type it on Instagram, Ashoebi Gele, G-E-L-E, and you will see it as an headgear, a tie. And it will be like the same color for everyone at the event on that day. So we did for the women, 
and the ed gear as well. And I started hearing things like, oh, people don't really like to buy the Ashoe B on time. On time. Village people, by the way, not people don't like to buy it. People don't like to buy it on time because the belief. Oh, goodness. This is a very sad situation, by the way. And I thought I needed to just communicate because it does not make sense. If you're of that mindset, hopefully you're listening to this and you're flushing it down the toilet that you have that village people witchcraft mindset, by the way. I think it's witchcraft, plain witchcraft. Talking about that people don't like to buy the Ashoebi material on time. By the way, they still need to go and sew this into an attire or a style because it's usually just the material. It's just the materials, the yards of clothing items. You've got to take it to the seamstress or the tailor to make it into something fancy for you. So you need time for all of this. But I was told during all this, because I was thinking, what's happening? Now, if I'm presenter, if you bring it to me, this, I love African tires anyways, because I go to church. Even though I don't go to a lot of parties, I go to church. And I like to wear my African attire. Sundays are a good excuse. I can't really wear my African attire to work. I don't work in that kind of industry where you can just show up with your headgear and your wrapper and your top or blouse or skirt or whatever. So, and I like to just keep it normal. Not that you wearing African clothes is not normal. Please, the African advocates, the African Jesus Christ, the culture Jesus Christ, please do not nail me to the cross, by the way. Wear your African clothes to work if you want to. Your cup of tea, your choice, not my choice. I do not like I can wear it in Cairo. If I work in Nigeria, I'll probably wear it daily. But I do not work in Nigeria. It's cold here. It's hot sometimes. I will not do that. When I feel like wearing it, I wear it. It's not to be dictated to me when to wear it or not. Or I am not to dictate to you either. Whenever you want to wear it, if you want to, please go ahead and do so. (laughs) Okay? When it's brought to me, if I will pay for it and buy it. And it's not a must, by the way. The groom and bride or the couple during this event, they never make it a must for you to buy the Ashwabi stuff. For some reason, people take it the fact that you're doing it in the first instance. It's a must for them to buy. I don't know why, because there was no must. I actually took it upon myself to share the email or the messages to those that are potential attendees of the event. And each time I think I reiterated in my message, which was, again, sometimes too sophisticated. I reiterated in them saying, it's not a must. So you can wear whatever you want to wear, the colors or anything, just how it's done. It's the cultural thing requirement. The couple have asked you, you know, it's like going to a white, all white party and the celebrant has asked you, please wear all white to my party. And you show up in purple, like seriously, do you get? So sometimes they just make these things, I think it's for photograph purposes or sake as well. I really do not know, but it's the tradition. It's what's been done. And I'm thinking out loud, saying that now, like, it's what's been done does not mean you should do it, right? But it was a requirement. It was part of the thing I needed to keep. I'm doing this for my parents at the end of the days. And mom wanted this. And I thought it was nice because the pictures always look nice on Instagram. So we put this together, this Ashwabi material and headgear. And I was told that people don't like to buy it on time because they believe the funds collated from the buying of this material that is going to end up in your closet. It's not that, by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't know what it means, it's not that when you buy the material of the celebrant's family or whatever, that you need to give it back to them after the event. It's yours to keep. It's like buying school uniform. You buy a school uniform at school. After the school term, no one, not even the principal, not the owner of the school ever asks you, even though we know it's not going to fit your children again the next year. Nobody asked you to bring it back to school because you paid for it and they asked you to buy it, right? 
These materials go in your closet. You, you can wear them any other time you want. But yet, there are some mindsets in the culture or in the old situations that think they don't want to buy it on time and pay for it because they don't want their money to be used in the planning towards the wedding. <gasps> oh my goodness. Are you for real? But they're going to buy it later. Just so they are making sure, because that's exactly what it sounds to me like, just so they're making sure their money was not used to plan the wedding. Again, the materials are bought and then shipped from wherever. And then you buy them so you can wear it just so to have an organized outfit on the wedding for the celebrants. You're coming. You said you want to come and they want, oh, like, this is how I would, would like my wedding to be. Like, so everybody looks the same and you all look uniform, very beautiful. But then you're saying you don't because you don't want them to use. How exactly is the money being used for the wedding? Because I don't know if it's for the catering, the catering that is ridiculously expensive. Because just think about it. You're currently in the house right now and just for you and your family, whatever it costs. Now, it's for 270 or 300 people because, you know, you have to add extra people to it. And I'm thinking, how does your one material fit 300 people? I will never get that calculation from the village people or from those with that witchcraft mindset. I will never get it. So I had that and lo and behold, yeah, it happened because a week before the event, we had people just still asking for the materials and the headgear. Now, I want to believe it's not because they had that mindset. It was just last minute. It was just when they were able to get around to doing it, which is all right. But if anyone listening to this, you've heard it before, said before, talked about before, and some people somewhere believe the funds for the clothing item, the Ashoya B clothing item is ever used for any part. Because trust me, the vendors, the oil, the drinks, everything for any celebration like a wedding needs to actually be paid before a month to the wedding. So it's not the money at all. It doesn't cover it. It's not it. I just wanted to put it out there. Another culture shock I had in this whole event. Now, I have been to events and I saw them distribute gifts. So you've ever been to an African event, most especially weddings, not just weddings, actually. It could be a naming ceremony. But I've never thought about the effort and the time that goes into putting those gift items together that they distribute. So your mother's friends may put some things together and they will distribute it on behalf of you and whatever event you're having. Your parents will do the same thing and you would be required to do something similar as well. Now, for my bridesmaid, to ask my bridesmaid to be my bridesmaid, I thought to do a little bit of Western stuff. I ordered some stuff to officially ask them to be bridesmaids. And then for the Ashwabi, I actually had a hamper business as well. So I thought it would be nice to put an hamper together to say thank you for the time because it's actually very, it's exhausting. And for you to be willing, I did ask some more people and some people said no. Some people that I felt like, you know, I love them that much and I would like to for them to be part of my wedding or the vow renewal, by the way. I asked them, they politely declined, which was nice. It was okay. It's good for you to do that if you don't want to and if you're not interested in being. So for those that said yes, I organized something to say thank you for willing to be a part of it. Because again, I look at the pictures and I thought, oh my goodness, oh, I'm glad she was part of my wedding. I'm glad she was into it. And not because of them being into it or for the sake of the pictures that comes up afterwards, but you actually need the spirit of those people, their prayers, because they would sort of know the in and out of everything going on. And I want to believe everyone that was actually in the wedding were praying along with us. 
some of them had to just turn up to my house when I was going through my bridezilla moment. And now thinking back about it, why did I even have a bridezilla moment? I am already married. But the stress drove me into bridezilla mode. Because just imagine that example I gave during the last episode of two weeks before the event, having 10 people being added or realizing that 40 people did not RSVP and you cannot tell them not to come because they are actually in the wedding. And you're thinking, did we order food for them? Were they added to the numbers of plates that will be served? Were they added to drinks? Were they added to this? Were they added to that? Do they even have sitting place to sit down to rest their feet when they're not dancing? All of that just drove me into panic mode. And then just imagine the joy of the event planner, isn't it? And the excitement of the decorators. It's their business. You're telling, oh, please include 50 more people. They just do the calculations and send to you, isn't it? My head was like, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to run away. I am going to take my passport and I'm going to leave the country. No, I had a whole story planned. Trust me, I did. I actually did. I had a story planned. So I was going to take my passport and just go to the airport and go away. And I told the event planner, my husband, my family, I told them, blame it on me. Send the cancellation to everybody and tell them it's because the bride ran away. Are you laughing already? Or is it not funny? Because yes, I was just ready to do that. I was ready to run away for a month. But I had my beautiful babies. It wasn't worth it. Running away because 40 people will not get food or will not get sits to sit down was just not worth it leaving my babies behind. So I had just intercessors. I had people come in. They just came into my rescue. <laughs> I remember the bridesmaid and some of the Ashwabi ladies standing up in my house with their tissues, with Uggs, with kisses, holding my hands. One of my very beautiful darling. No, I feel like this whole experience took us to a different level. My Zim sister took us to a whole different level in our relationship. I didn't know she was that sweet. She was already a friend before it because she's in the wedding. I didn't know she was that down to earth and so sweet. So some of the things I posted on Instagram earlier this week or yeah, even earlier today about this whole experience just showed me more about the importance of good relationships. You're not already fostering good relationships, good value friendships right now. Please start to do it. Be very intentional about doing it because you will need them. Maybe not for a wedding ceremony, but you will need them. You need good people in your life. And this showed me, I don't care whatever anybody has got to say. I know a lot of good people. Is it to talk about the people last minute on the day of the event that started running errands for me? Going out skelter, one of my sister friends, she, oh Lord, she drove from one shopping mall to the other to find something that we needed on that day for me. It was on a Friday on the 15th. So it happened on the 16th. On the 15th, she was driving with her two kids in the car from one mall, from one shop to the other to find that stuff I needed her to find for me. No, honestly, I know a lot of good people. And I do not know. I'm not sure I know how I got so blessed. I think I know a little bit. I did not think whatever I was doing, whatever I have done could get me the things it got me throughout the process of this vow renewal planning till the day. I didn't know. I did not realize it. Or maybe they're just good people and teaching me. Oh no, they taught me. Everyone around me throughout this whole situation. Yeah, I keep saying me, 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 me. If my husband wants to tell a story about his own side of things, he should go start his own podcast, please. 
I'm going to say from my own perspective, because this is me, my friendships, my relationship. It took some of my relationship. We went to a different level of friendship in the relationship. Times the crying, the panics, the why, 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 why? How did I get this to go this big? Was the question all the time that I asked myself because I really did not expect it. I'll be giggled. So the souvenir part of things. So you go to African weddings and you come and eat food. Like literally, let me just be plain and be real about how I wrote it down in my lessons learned. You come and eat free food and still want souvenirs. Yes, they give gift at African weddings. It's a must. You cannot, while you're planning the wedding or whatever, you cannot plan it without putting a budget aside for the gift you're going to give the people that came. One, because they traveled down. They showed up, they did their makeup, they found a beautiful shoe to go with that headgear you bought, you asked them to buy. Even those that did not buy them, they still put some effort into it to dress up, to come. So they deserve a thank you that is more than the food, that is more than the drinks, that is more than the fun, the dancing, the merriment. They deserve more than it. And those are the things you give them in the souvenir for coming. Thank you for coming, gift. And I remember uttering those things and my event planner, oh goodness, slash friend, because she had to play both roles. She had to play event planner and she's still my crazy friend, isn't it? She's still my crazy one person, isn't it? She's still that person to me. So we'll go into, she eventually created a WhatsApp group for the event on his own, by the way. It became a lot that I want my friend back as well. I want to be able to send you a message. I know you're going to read it because yes, I'm still your sweetheart, right? because I wasn't doing it. So she had to create it. So anything she wanted to say about the wedding, she would put it in the group between the both of us. Crazy, isn't it? And every personal conversation that we have it on. So we could be having conversation on the, and then we come here and I'm screaming at her like, you know what, F it. I don't want to talk about this right now. And then we're like, oh, so how are are the babies, are the kids (laughs) on our private chat? It was a switch and sweep for us. And I believe it was a big lesson for the both of us as well. And I'm so grateful to her because she got into a different level with me as well on this journey. That's why the fact that I've loved her for years, still love her like crazy, but it was a different type of maturity. We matured into a, a different phase in our relationship in the last 10 months. It just had to happen. It was just there because I did not know at some point, I did not know how she accommodated me and how she just did not throw it all in my face and say, you know what, go plan your own wedding. Go plan your own vow renewal. Go plan it. I'm out. I will come and attend and the fact that she never said that, whoever she was talking to and supported her through the 10 months, I made it a serious situation for her. Thank you to those that supported her during that period because, yeah, I definitely was a nightmare. I know it. But I couldn't help it myself. It was just a lot. And someone is listening to this and thinking, well, who sent you? I know. You're right. And for asking that question, you're not even a village person. Nobody sent me, but I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I went through it because it took me through a lot of lessons learned, both in my private life, in my entrepreneurial life, in my career life. I learned a lot of patience. I learned a lot of realness and I got to know some people on a different level. And I would come here now and say, maybe on a bad level, there was actually not a single person involved Not a single person that I know that are my friends, family on this journey to September 16, that I would record any negative thing about them. They were all 
wonderful. I don't know. I've had horrific stories. I've had people that back know every single person. Every single person. I'm actually saying it now, realizing it all over again. Every single person. There was no one person that could say, oh, what they did during the process was really hurtful. Every single person. They were amazing throughout. So the souvenir part, I did not understand it. And for weeks and days, while we ordered the gift, some amazing gift, if I may say that myself, while we ordered and put them together, I was very adamant on, please only give those gifts to those that bought the Ashoe B. <laughs> and a lot of people laughed at me. I said, you know what, if you can't do, because it's also hard to distribute gifts at such events to specific people and not give it, it's not fair, is it? So the, whoever is in charge of it needed to, because they were great to the gifts as well. So those that buy the Ashoe B, they get a certain type of gifts. And those that did not get, they will still get gifts, but it will be different to the ones that bought. Yeah, that's the culture of it. So yes, looking at it from that perspective, I was like, you know what, if you can't do it, just get me off the, whatever eye table they put me on. Yeah, I was that crazy bride. Get me off the table and hand them over to me and I will distribute them myself. <laughs> I will distribute them myself. But yeah, that's another culture shock that I thought is really unnecessary. It puts a lot of strain on the people during the event. Because it's expected and it's part of the things people look forward to at your events. But if it's not there as well, it doesn't reduce the value and the fact that it's a Nigerian, Yoruba or African wedding. It shouldn't be. People's happy days should not be judged based on the height, the level, the quality of the gifts you get from coming to celebrate with them. After they've served food, provided a beautiful fairy tale scenario and drinks and ambience and fun. I was so happy, still happy when I look at the videos and how people were dancing, how people were celebrating. No, the MC. I will try and remember her name or maybe tag her in the, what's it called? She was amazing. A lady. She was beautiful. She was amazing. Hearing her voice and how she kept people just engaged throughout was just like, oh my God. She did a fabulous job and a big thank you to her. Takes me to the vendors that we use, the vendors that the event planner used, because every time she came to me, I remember she came with a list of vendors to start with. And I'm like, why did you come to me with just the one people that you know? I don't know them. I need you to please provide me with three options. This is how I said it to her, by the way. So yes, yes, I was Bridezilla. I was like, I need three people, at least three of them that I could choose from. So she had to go back and do more research and give me three options of people or vendors to choose from. And the ones we ended up with, even though I think sometimes I forgot to pray about them, but I know she was praying about them. I had a lot of friends and family that were praying about all the vendors and the prayers worked from the caterer, the food. People couldn't stop talking about the food. People could not stop talking about the decorations. The decorations, even I love, I cried seeing the decoration. There was a revealing period when we got to the all. And they had to ask some people to come out, the people that had already showed up there before we got there. They asked them to come out of the hall for us to come, the unveiling period. And I walked around with my husband and my little girl, my first daughter. And Waterworks was just pouring because it was so beautiful. I remember speaking to the decorator on the phone. I would try and remember her name and also tag her in some pictures and maybe below this episode as well. I remember speaking to her and I was like, please do not let it look scanty. Don't let it look shabby. And I used that word tacky. And I remember the event planner called me out on that word again. She was like, it looks like tacky is your new word now. But I said it because I just wanted it to be beautiful. It's already more than 
I wanted it to be, but whatever I can still control, whatever I could control, I still wanted it to be that. So I said to her, please, please make sure it's beautiful. And it was just like a scene in a movie, stepping in and looking in at everything. The Shivali or Shivati or Kavali chairs <laughs> that was used was perfect. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. So yes, I wanted to talk about that. So the vendors, the food, my makeup artist was a beautiful lady. No, she was amazing. She's a friend as well. But obviously this is my first. I remember she wanted me to come for a pre-wedding makeup. I think that you do that. But I never had time to do go do that. But when I looked at myself, each time I looked at myself in the mirror or when she was doing, I remember sleeping off when she was doing maybe the second touch or the third touch up. I was dozing off the chair. I was that tired. But she knelt down in the morning. Once she finished my first set of makeup, she did the first look. She knelt down. I was wearing my wedding dress at the time. And she knelt down. She said, please do not ruin the makeup. And she was telling me, she was giving the lecture of what will happen if I cry too much. And that's another thing, guys. Please let them cry. It's the moment. I don't get it back now, but all the emotional, I couldn't cry. I did sometimes, but sometimes I just had to hold it back. I remember the very first view when I saw my husband in a suit. Like, oh my goodness, it's the first time I'm seeing him. Look that dashing, like, oh my God, is that him? Is that you? Is that you, mate? Is that you, fam? It was a beautiful sight, but I couldn't cry. I could not cry because of my makeup. Please let these people cry. Let the bride cry. If they want to cry, let it, let them cry. <laughs> you ruined the makeup for the videos and the pictures and everything. I understand that. But it was just, yeah, it was everything and more. The seamstress, my clothes. So my clothes were made in, were bought in Africa. My mom, it was a responsibility to do that again. Yeah, it was the bride's mom to make that happen. And she made it happen. So because it was already in Africa, they might as well find seamstresses in Africa to do them. Oh, Lord. I had some village people seamstresses. It was such a situation. There was this seamstress they took my clothes to that two days later, I realized she might not be able to make the style I wanted. I told the person that introduced me to her, give her a call and please ask her to release the clothes so we can take it to someone else. You know, this lady told me as soon as a clothing item gets into a store for her to make, she doesn't release it until it gets made. Yes. So she would not be releasing the materials until she finishes making them. And obviously you can know how it goes from there. How everything went from there. Yeah. Some of the outfit, it was just a nightmare. By the time they got delivered to the UK, I cried my eyes out. Oh, no. I know she was one of the village people they had sent in for, to just make things go south for, for that day. But yeah, got to control. Found another seamstress here in the UK, including one of my amazing girlfriends, MJ Creations. She's the best anyways. She's the best. She's amazing. She was able to do some adjustment for me, for the clothing to still be great. One thing I appreciated though, one thing I would say I appreciate on this journey as well is that a lot of people, a lot of my friends, my family reminded me that not everything would go the way I wanted it to go. Yeah, that that's bound to happen. It's normal. Not everything will go. Whatever is going the way I want it to go, I should appreciate it. Zoom into it and take the wins. Take that win. The ones that can't, when it happens, find a solution to it. 
God bless my sweet mother, my wonderful mother. I remember when the clothes arrived and they were not good and I cried. And I said, I was just going to order clothes from Asus and wear them. But I didn't want to do that to her because it took her a lot to look for those materials, those expensive materials, African attires. So her daughter could look like the bride that she wanted to look like. Yes, it was so I needed to still wear them. And I'm glad I did because she loved the fact that I looked beautiful in them. And I was grateful to her, my big sister, who sussed all my outfit. They were the magicians. They sussed everything. And it was perfect. All the traditional wears were just amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I think let's stop that for now. The next episode, which will be the last, I will be talking more about about some other things. Yeah, about some other things that come down to that particular day. And then some appreciations here and there as well. But yeah, hopefully there are some lessons learned in this particular episode as well. In the countdown to your day, or if you're planning to have a big African wedding, what you have control over, the things you don't have control over, the day will come and go. But the process to it, pay attention to it. Try and get involved as quickly as you can. There's only so much your event planners can do. And do some research, but don't go too far because the more you research, the more difficult it gets. I ended up ordering six shoes. I need to check my account if they've actually refunded me some of those shoes. Six shoes. We're going to talk about that in the last episode about this vow renewal situation that I got myself into that ended up becoming more than I wanted it to. But no regrets. I am glad it was more than I wanted, anticipated it to be. And yes. I'm grateful to God for all the amazing people that he blessed me with that are in my life. I am a blessed child of God. So yes, let's crown it all up next episode, episode 32. Is that going to be the last one? I thought I was going to do 33, up to 33, so that would have been four episodes. But we'll see how next week goes on this journey to lessons learned for an African Yoruba wedding. Thank you. It's another episode of Not For My Village People. Hopefully some lessons learned in here and I hope I catch you up next time. Bye for now.